come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Roland. You cannot wake a person who is pretending to be asleep. Ancient Navajo proverb. The Wendigo is simply the call of the wild personified, which some natures hear to their own destruction. Algernon Blackwood. Where did all these damn Indians come from? George Armstrong Custer. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's your boy Rob Scott. We got Billy the Kid, aka the Korean Cowboy in the studio. What's shaking, gents? And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Maiku, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? I think that's uh, it's like Navajo, Navajo for, or it's Ute for hello. Uh, it's a, you know, that's an old saying, old Indian saying. It's in right. Tennessee, probably in Texas. <laughs> probably should have gone for the Navajo. Probably dude. in Texas. Oh, dude, the Utes are are, are littered in this. Sense. They're douchebags. Well, we'll get to it. Anyways, this is episode one hundred and seven, and we will be discussing the Skinwalker Ranch. Yes, finally, we are getting into, as I said last episode, one of our most heavily requested topics, and that is none other than Skinwalker Ranch, uh, the second in our Paranormal Ranch series to close out the summer and bring us in to the crisp fall. Uh, Now, it's no secret, guys, popular topic here with multiple movies, cable television shows, and countless books on the subject. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch has probably in recent years become the most famous in terms of like weird paranormal hotspots, would you say? I mean, I'm thinking like Bermuda Triangle, Amityville House, which we know is all bullshit. We blew the lid off that bitch. And we've covered both of those topics before, so check those episodes out if you have a chance. Yeah, but I mean, wouldn't you say this is probably one of the most more famous uh, places like this, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, the government paid to stay there, I think, the DIA, which we're going to get in the next, uh, in part two, um, get more in the modern stuff. But, yeah, I mean, this it's definitely well known. Well, yeah, anytime the uh, government's doing surveillance on an area, you know that there's something going on there, right? Well, I wouldn't huh? be so sure about that, but we'll we'll get into that. Now, as Billy said with this one, uh, this is going to be a two-parter because there's just so much with this episode. And, uh, I, you know, I honestly wanted to do something a little different here. Uh, I've heard other podcasts cover this topic, obviously. Uh, wanted to kind of bring our own flair to this one. Uh, now, this first episode, I really wanted to dive into, of course, the legends of the Skinwalker itself, as well as get into a deeper history on the land where this all takes place. Um, Now, part two, we're going to get into some of the more modern sightings, firsthand accounts, all kinds of theories and scientific research uh, into just what in the hell is happening on this patch of land in the Uinta Basin. Uh, But like I said, this episode, focus on the lore of the land, native legends, early explorers, that type of shit, you know, because that seems to be where all of this activity stems from. So saddle the fuck up, grab your 10-gallon hats, and once again, we are venturing out yonder. Now, 
first up, as always, have we heard of this one? Obviously, I think yes would be the answer here. If so, what do we know? And are we skeptical or do we think something's going on here? I've definitely heard of it. Um, I don't remember from where, but I've heard of it. Probably from, no, it was before the documentary. Um, I think Ro- Robert, I, I watched something on Robert Bigelow and like this was mentioned, which we'll get to that in part two. Deuce Bigelow. But, um, Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> Deuce yeah, Bigelow, Bigelow, Robert Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> was that in that documentary that we watched remember way back when we watched that like uh alien documentary all about like ufos and the government and shit i'm sure they mentioned him in there probably i mean if robert bigelow's involved then then yeah um but anyway so what do we know i know that um it is thought that the area from navajo uh lore and legend um is like an area inhabited by a wendigo that like can shape shift and it's like a shaman. Um, it's pretty wild stuff and skeptical. I mean, honestly, this one to me is extremely uh, perplexing just like with the gov- you know, with the DIA having been involved in like the mo- more modern era, okay. I guess, investigating that stuff. Um, so I-, I don't know. This one's definitely a curveball for me. Okay. Rob, what do we got? Uh, yes, I have heard of it before. I think I like stumbled on it on one of our earlier UFO episodes doing some research and I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And I kind of watched the documentary where it's more about the UFO sightings, but doing more research on like the skinwalker itself, it's, uh, I would say maybe it's in my opinion, easier to believe that it is maybe like uh like haunted ceremonial grounds of the native people because looking at the history it's like the utes and the navajo kind of like battled over that area of land where it's taking place and then if i'm right i think the navajo cursed that area so i mean we got a classic curse scenario on our hands, so you know something's up. Okay, yes, classic curse. I think we talked about this in our last uh, ranch episode too, right? Like uh, the poltergeist, the classic Indian curse, uh, our Native American curse, excuse me. Um, now, well, for- Oh, wait, hold on, one more thing. That just reminded me. It's kind of a similar scenario into the last one where nothing has really been pro- like reported until this one family gets the ranch and then all of a sudden boom shit's okay, just yeah, fucking yeah. left and right that's happening. true yeah it's like it's like uh bradshaw ranch where it was like that that one family in the in the 80s or whatever moved in like it was like oh dinosaurs and yeah ghosts and <laughs> yeah now honestly like pretty similar and and for this one for me i gotta say up top this is another one of those flip-flop type episodes uh, which I think tends to happen when there is just so much information on one specific topic, you know, similar to Roswell in New Mexico or Area 51 in Nevada. It's like sensory overload. Um, and, you know, with this one, you go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole of thinking, oh, this is true. They're onto something to, oh, no, this is more in the realm of some grift or bullshit, as is, <laughs> you know, the case with a lot of topics we've covered. Um, now with the Skinwalker Ranch, especially, it's as if it's a, 
It's as if a sort of folklore has been built up around the place. And this, what does it do? It keeps people coming back, keeps people entertained. And don't worry, I've got some theories on this. Um, But let's get into it and see what you, the Loyal Legion, think. Uh, Now, for those who've been living under a rock or aren't familiar, the Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is a property of approximately 512 acres located about 180 miles southeast of Salt Lake City, Utah. Basically near the top right corner of the state if you're busting out the old map. Um, Now, let's get into like a history of the term because this story where the ranch gets its name starts way back before any of us could even pick up a baseball. (laughs) Way back before any of us could even pick up an EMF meter. Ouija board? Way back before any of us could even pick up a Ouija board. The thing is, like, EMF meters are, like, not really that long ago. Way back. Like, they invented, like, what, like, 30 years ago? Hey, probably. I don't know. I honestly have no idea when they were invented, but. That's probably before our time, dude. Um, Way before, though. Yeah, way back, guys. Way back. Now, the name Skinwalker derives from the old Navajo legend of the Skinwalker, uh, which is basically an evil or vengeful shaman. Um, Now, the legend of the Skinwalker is not very well understood outside of Navajo culture for a couple reasons, okay? There's a couple reasons here, uh, which are, I guess, kind of obvious. So, one... The Navajo are reluctant to discuss the subject with outsiders, i.e. the white man, the white devil, whatever you want to call it. Um, And we saw the same thing with our Mayan episode, you know, their culture, beliefs, that type of shit. I mean, look how they were treated by outsiders. You think they're going to share some of their deepest held beliefs? I don't think so. No, I was just going to say, like, they were probably so pissed, you know, the, the, like the white <laughs> yeah. men just come and just demolish everything. Like, yeah, it's you know, just is a great get term. out of you. You no longer live here. You've been living here for thousands of years. Like, get out of here. We're building a railroad. Yeah. We're if gonna I force you to build it. <laughs> yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say that really chapped their hides uh, when we kicked them off their land. Uh, yeah. now, now, number two. According to the Navajo, those from outside the culture lack the lived experience they feel is necessary to understand the lore of the Skinwalker. And this plays into uh, one of the theories we'll get into later. Um, But, you know, despite this, I did my best to find what I could on the subject. However, at the end of the day, since none of us are Navajo, who really knows what's bullshit and what isn't? Am I right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Be- because there's there's a good deal of this type of shit on the internet, and this could be a classic tale of like, oh, no one, no one knows the truth except for Navajo, so I can uh, spin up some ancient mystic type story, and bing bong, uh, who's going to call me on my shit, you know? Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like unless you're like a, on a Navajo reservation. Like asking people that actually know about it. Yeah, or trying to spit this story out. Well, even if you are asking them, they're probably telling you to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, get the hell off our land. Um, Yeah. 
And, you know, despite, even though uh, none of us are Navajo, Rob and I are actually one eighth Fagawi. Part of the Fagawi tribe. Yeah, the Fagawi. Um, Fagawi is a nomadic tribe. They would wander around and say, Where the Fagawi? <laughs> oh my God, dude. I read that earlier. Like, actually thinking, like, Oh, Fagawi. Never heard of that one. I've heard of like Pueblos and, oh, and man. you know, Powhatans. You got to use that one, dude. Yeah, Fagawi. Uh, check it out. Now, but, but no, for real, I thought you guys were like part Native American. No, no, we no, thought no. that too. Oh, okay, yeah, that is not the case. Twenty-three now, and me says differently. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, also apparently, J.K. Rowling of Harry Potter fame pissed off a bunch of Navajo when she wrote about uh, similar entities in her Harry Potter series, which I've never read. Do you guys rec- have you guys a read it or b recall the Skinwalker from Harry Potter? Yeah, I think they're like the Death Eaters or something. Like the, I don't know, like the okay. black. The ghosts that just like ride the horses and crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now it's more of a headless horseman type reference. Yeah. Well, I guess this in turn like opened up a can of worms for the Native Americans who believe in the Skinwalker. Basically, just like opened a flood of questions for these uh, natives, and they were like, "J.K. Rowling, we don't have time to answer this, and we don't want to answer this. Get the fuck out of here!" You know, they got pissed off at her. We don't um, want to see your Harry Potter movie for the eighth time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop appropriating our culture is what they're saying. Um, now, in Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch which has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. Uh, now, some legends say that the Navajo will not, under any circumstances, speak the name out loud. Apparently, speaking about these beings is not only bad luck, but it makes their appearance all the more likely to those who even utter the name. Uh, Now, in the Navajo language, the term is... Rob, would you like to uh, read this for us? Why do I got to read it? Now I'm going to have these motherfuckers following me around? Exactly. Um, I'm trying to get a read on that. Hold on. Yenaldashi? Yinaldushi. No, that doesn't sound Native American. Okay, well. Yinaldushi. Okay, well, we're probably haunted now, um, if you believe in that. Perfect. Uh, well, and, it's, we're at your house, so they're coming <laughs> yeah. here. Now, this translates to, with it, he goes on all fours. Um, and, you know, despite this being so heavily guarded by Navajo culture, uh, they actually wrote a whole series of nonfiction books on the subject titled Animorphs. <laughs> you, guys are, God damn it. you guys remember Animorphs? Those yeah, remember Animorphs? Weren't they like shapeshifters? It was like. Yeah, where like the kids turn into the animals. And the front page was like the kid turning into the animal. You don't remember those books, dude, from the book fair as a kid? No, dude. I, I never. No, nah, I never really was in into that look it up no yeah if you saw the cover i know you would you would know what it is go on yeah maybe google right now animorphs i've never seen this in my life (laughs) dude you don't remember those man man you never had no man you never had enough funds at the scholastic book fair huh (laughs) i don't know i was gonna like like, (laughs) goosebumps what no, well, like Goosebumps, um, and then Fear like, Street. I, I watched. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Um, well, yeah. Check it out. Animorphs. Um, 
popular books available at your local Scholastic Book Fair. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I think it is similar. You know, this stuff has kind of, or I guess the idea of like shapeshifters finding their way into pop culture. Think of, um, have you guys ever read or seen the HBO show, The Outsider, uh, based on the Stephen King book? Have not. Oh, dude. No. Popular show, Jason Bateman. It's like uh, this kid is found dead and he's on video, like at the scene of the crime and it's like something took his form to like kill based on shapeshifters you know that's that's the gist of it but um yeah you know this stuff is is all over pop culture um now allegedly some traditions believe that skinwalkers are born and are benevolent medicine men who abuse the indigenous magic for evil purposes so they're sort of like black magicians um, other traditions believe a man, woman, or child can become a skinwalker should they commit a kind of deep-seated taboo. Um, now, I guess this is like within Native cultures, shamans or medicine men are taught both white and black magic, and at some point they can turn or strictly fall victim to the black magic or the uh, dark side. So this is literally like Star Wars type shit, you know? And I'm thinking, Anakin, dude, he was a skinwalker. Star Wars. He was a skywalker, actually. Skywalker, SW, skinwalker. Star Wars, SW, skinwalker. Dude, we're connecting the dots here. Skinwalker Ranch, Skywalker Ranch. What's the difference? Yeah, he was just hanging. He was like, he thought it was Tatooine, but it was actually... You, the Uinta Basin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Tatooine was based <laughs> off of the Uinta Basin. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, they're both deserts. Now, skinwalkers are described as being mostly animalistic physically, even when they are in human form. They are believed to shapeshift into a variety of different animals, or I guess really any animal they choose, uh, in order to travel in secret and do harm to the innocent. Uh, for example, skinwalkers would take the hide of a wolf or coyote put it on and they were said to physically transform into that animal. And I was looking up descriptions and in a lot of cases it's like you see this thing at night and it looks like a bony like skeleton thing with just like a loose animal hide over it. Real fucking creepy stuff. It looks like something out of The Walking Dead. Oh, I've, I've never seen the show. Do they have skinwalkers in there? Well, no, just just the way like the zombies are like twitching and like moving around all weird. That's kind of how a lot of the descriptions I saw in my research. Yeah, seem to very. Describe it. Like they don't really know how to walk correctly, and they're uh, all their uh, bodies uncanny. like twitching and moving all weird and distorted. Yeah, very uncanny. You know, <laughs> I think they'd have some magic. To That's fix creepy. That. Well, uh, yeah. Now, also corpse powder. Is another uh, weapon, I guess, they use, which is essentially a poison made from powdered corpses. Um, so apparently when they're not hunting live prey, um, they will seek out recently dug graves in order to unearth fresh corpses, grinding the bones into a powder, which they use for this corpse powder to poison or incapacitate their victims. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, and again, I think we've seen this in folklore on, I believe, our Frankenstein episode. Remember we talked about the um, that white powder uh, corpse stuff? It was either Fra- Frankenstein or vampires. Frankenstein, I think. Okay. 
that white powder dr frankenstein was doing a lot of it <laughs> yeah um check that episode out 36 if you haven't already uh so i guess this falls in line with the taboo we talked about and uh this powder some say is on the skinwalker so if you I guess try to kill one or if you're in a fight with one, you get some of this on you. You're cursed right on the spot or they can blow this in your face and then you're fucked basically. Um, well, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Damn, so they're, they're just like carrying around jars of powdered corpses. Yeah, or they just, just like pull it out like uh, out of their hat. These are magicians, you know. <laughs> automatically have a top hat <laughs> yeah blow, blow right in your face now uh now descriptions vary from tribe to tribe and versions of the skinwalker can be found in most native american cultures um but it's most prevalent with the navajo you don't hear a lot about it in the figawi tribe yeah not not in the figawi figawi's got probably another name for the skinwalker um now skin any flute yeah <laughs> yeah now uh now, any way you slice it, descriptions are almost always the same. Four-legged beast uh, with disturbingly human features, a sort of torn-up face, and either orange, red, or yellow glowing eyes. Um, now, according to tribal law, if one was suspected to be a skinwalker, it's legal to kill them on sight. Uh, however, so you could just kill someone and be like <laughs> fucking Dude, skinwalker, okay. bro. Now I'm they were thinking, a skinwalker. Yeah. What did you want me to do? Is this like their version of witches? You know how we yeah, talked well, about. They literally are witches. Well, yeah, but you know how like um, the Salem <laughs> witch trials was like they use it as an excuse to kill all the like your yeah. theory was they use it as an excuse to kill these females who had inherited this land. Yes. So this could be like their version of that. They're just like, oh, skinwalker dead. This guy was a skinwalker. Exactly. Guys. Yeah. Sa Salem witch well, trials. It's like, oh yeah, no, I. She came to me in my dream, you know, and she was a witch, and they were just like convicted. Like, this hanged. was this. This guy was in fact a skinwalker. I feel like I would like to believe that the Native Americans aren't as like focused on money and land and stuff as much as like the settlers were. Well, I think you'd be sorely mistaken there. Maybe nowadays with the casinos and what no, have you. Well, not, not only that. <laughs> no, they, they love casinos. Now, not only that, but, uh, dude, Native American history is fucking brutal, dude. The fucking... Yeah, um, they, they killed the shit out of each other for, like, land. And, yeah, like, who Especially the, the Navajo. Uh, yeah, but of each other. Brutal. Like, I'm saying, like, I feel like if you're in a tribe, like, you got your boys back. You know what I mean? You're not like, oh, fucking guy was a skinwalker well not if maybe if your boy maybe banged your girl <laughs> or your daughter you're accusing him of being a skinwalker you can kill him on sight tribal law you're a tribal law what, was he was a shaman recent tribal law <laughs> this was just <laughs> like, one of the things i read i don't again we're not navajo don't know if this is true um now okay so they could kill him on sight but skinwalkers are said to be near impossible to kill except with a bullet or knife dipped in white ash. Uh, now, it's also said that in order to kill a skinwalker in animal form, they must be shot through the neck. Any other shot merely creates a harmless wound. Now, I was digging more into this, and I guess this comes from like, so these legends, they're translated when, um, you know, Native Americans are introduced to like guns, white people. They're like, hey, what's this crazy stuff I've been hearing about the skinwalker? And this could be where the like sh kill shot comes from. 
And the way an animal skin is worn ceremonially is with the animal's head on top. So the person's um, head would be like where the animal's, I guess, neck would be. So you put two on top of two, you go for the neck, you're shooting the human underneath in the head. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Now, also, allegedly, if you speak the skinwalker's true human name, this will cause them to die in three days. And skinwalkers. That's very specific. (laughs) Yes. Skinwalkers also have a series of videotapes where if you watch one, you will die in seven days. (laughs) So don't take any. (laughs) Wait, isn't that the ring? Yeah, Yeah. dude, that's another joke. Don't you die in seven days? (laughs) Seven days. Yeah, so, but this is three days if you speak the skinwalkers' true human name. Uh, Now, again, you know, as I said, not sure how legitimate all this is, but. This is classic folktale type shit, you know, similar to vampires with a stake through the heart and garlic and werewolves with the silver bullet. You know, this is um, just kind of the same same uh, tale here, you know. Um, well, I, wa- I watched this video doing some research and this guy was saying that as far as Navajo culture goes, they pretty much only wear like sheepskin during ceremonial stuff. And they're like, so... If some guy's wearing a wolf headdress, then probably a skinwalker. Okay. Or if someone's wearing like an eagle head, probably a skinwalker. And again, though, would could that guy have been like the idiot of the tribe who shows up to the fucking sheep convention in a wolf hide and they're like, come on, <laughs> they just we gotta kill, kill this guy. <laughs> you wore the wrong shit today, buddy. No, what, what, what if he just preferred like wolf clothes? <laughs> you know what like they're they're way cooler you know yeah guys we're not yeah, i'm tired of the sheep i don't right? want to be a fucking sheep i'm trying to be a wolf um Yo, skin this bear i'm trying to wear this shit bro yeah now yeah pretty much okay now speaking of werewolves and vampires uh you know this idea of shape-shifting humans is found within the mythology of almost every culture around the world Uh, In fact, the idea of shape-shifting is present in even the oldest forms of shamanism. Um, You know, we have the legends of the Wendigo in the northern tribes. Uh, The Aztecs have the Nagul or Noal, I guess is how you say that. Um, The Olmecs told legends of the Were-Jaguar. The Mayans have the Huayshivo or Weob. Um, the Chilean and Argentinians have the Chan Chan, not could be not to be confused with the delicious Korean restaurant Bon Chan. Um, Europe, Canada, shout out <laughs> Europe, Canada, and early America have werewolves and vampires, and the Caribbean have the Lagahu. Um, which this that sounds is cool, dude. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's this guy that walks around at night with no head but a wooden casket as a head with a giant chain. And he like snatches people up. It's fucking crazy, dude. We could do a whole episode on that. That sounds insane. Uh, yeah. Now East, yeah, that sounds crazy. East Asia and Korea has the Kimu Kumiho, uh, similar to the Chinese Huli Jing. Now, Billy, you ever heard of the, uh, Kumiho? <laughs> no, okay. no, not really. Uh, I mean, like I, I've definitely heard, my mom has some creepy stories about like growing up in Korea, which I I, I think it'd be cool to have that on a, on a podcast. Maybe you know, maybe one around Halloween or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, but 
Yeah, but no, I, I never heard of that. That's that's pretty crazy, though. Maybe you ask her about the Kumiho, uh, you know, see what she see if she's got any crazy tales there. What was that other crazy? Yeah, maybe. Like creature we're going to do. Oh, the Aswang in the Philippines. Yeah. yeah similar to like a vampire. Um, so yeah, this idea of shape-shifting witch or sorcerer, this is a staple in pretty much every culture's folklore. Um, so, you know, in terms of the skinwalker, I mean, what do we think here? Do we want to kind of hash this out anymore? Is this like going off of this, you know, are the, is there something to all these legends or could this just be, you know, the way that folktales kind of develop in different cultures is why we see all these similarities. Just a big game of telephone, you're thinking? Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't know. I, I've never seen a skinwalker. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to them, but, um, you know, it is interesting to note that this is pretty much world-renowned shapeshifters, you know? Heard there's been a lot of sightings in uh, Arizona lately of skinwalkers. Okay. Not in Phoenix? <laughs> no, um... I I just think it's a little weird that there it's prevalent in like so many different you know civilizations whether or not it was a telephone type thing like Rob said um I it's it's just it's just, it's a little weird I guess Okay and so weird in that like possibly there's a logical explanation but it's just being chalked up to like ancient folklore and that's how these tales kind of develop or or what yeah, I mean, I think it could. It, they could possibly sprout from like the Navajo. I mean, I know the Navajo are kind of like the most well known for like Skinwalker like lore out of any other Native American. But I mean, we're talking about Aztecs. I mean, this is a very long time ago, and they were talking about this kind of phenomenon. You know, uh-huh. um, the Mayans. We're talking thousands of years. They they've been talking about this stuff allegedly. I don't yeah. know. I haven't really looked into it, but. That that that's what's kind of uh that's what's kind of interesting to me. Okay, so is that that's lending some credence to these tales for you? Yeah, because there's just been such a big like time span of okay. different people talking about similar phenomena. So somewhere in the world, somebody shapeshifted into these fucking animals. So, anamorphs is real life somewhere, <laughs> right? Exactly. Be. Okay, could very now, well be. Now, in relation to our topic, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. So the name Skinwalker Ranch came from ufologist Junior Hicks. Uh, This guy was a retired high school teacher who documented hundreds of UFO sightings in the Uinta Basin back in the 50s and 60s. And he actually told Colm Kelleher and George Knapp, uh, who wrote the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, which kind of put the ranch on the map that this ranch was in the path of the skinwalker and that a curse had been placed on the Utes by the Navajo. Uh, Now, speaking of curses, the area of the Uinta Basin was long rumored by the local Ute tribe, uh, where Utah gets its name, obviously, to be haunted. Uh, And this is really why I wanted to uh, focus this episode on the land, the events that occur throughout history, Uh, So let's go way, way back and get deep into a history of the land itself. Um, So as we said, you know, the native tribes have long said that the northern border of the ranch lies on what they refer to as the path of the skinwalker. And for that reason, have long been forbidden to go near the property. Now, again, 
I couldn't really find like an original source for this statement. Uh, You know, this legend is pretty much strictly in UFO literature on the subject or paranormal websites. Um, So this whole like native tribe saying that this is the path of the skinwalker could just be yet another myth or folk that was kind of added to the legend of this place. Not sure how legitimate that is. Um, Now, if we go to pre-Columbian times... Um, So thousands of years before the arrival of European explorers uh, and even before the Utes or Navajo inhabited the land, it is estimated that the ancestral Puebloans and the Fremont people lived in what is now Utah. So this map here, this red spot is essentially where the Fremont people, uh, whose name comes from the Fremont River, uh, this is where they would have inhabited um, sites in what is now Utah, parts of Nevada, Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado. Um, now, they inhabited this land from A.D. 1 to 1301, so 2,700 years ago. Um, now, I couldn't really find much on the exact location of Skinwalker Ranch during this time, uh, but it's estimated that this culture most likely would have been around the area. Um, as in the surrounding areas and even some parts of southern Utah are littered with remains of thousand-year-old pit houses and other Fremont artifacts. Now, in addition to the artifacts and housing structures, the Fremont people also left evidence in the form of petroglyphs and pictographs carved into the rocks all over Utah. Now, here are some pictures of those pictographs here, and I'll put these on the Instagram. Uh, Now, some of these designs, such as uh, are said to be bighorn sheep or other animals, which are easily recognizable, uh, but their meaning is not. Basically, no one is sure uh, what this ancient artwork means. Um, So, I mean, what are you guys thinking? Like, you take a look at this stuff. I mean, this looks like a fucking devil going into a fucking black hole or some shit, you know? (laughs) The devil leading you into a portal. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of crazy stuff here. I mean, I mean, what are we thinking? Are these just fucking bighorn sheep and buffalo or what? No, I mean, I think they can. I mean, it was a time where they 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 could draw anything that meant anything. Like for for someone to try to interpret that as, oh yeah, just because he has like like things sticking out of his head, he's automatically like a wolf or like. It's yeah. a, you know, it's, it's a skinwalker. Like, how are you drawing that conclusion? Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's, it's such a stretch for me. I just, it's hard for, for me to put those pieces together. Okay. Now, but what are you as an amateur archaeologist thinking about these things? <laughs> <laughs> archaeologist? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a stretch. I don't really think that there's nothing clear in any of these photos that would lead me to believe, oh, skinwalker. Okay. So possibly these guys were just having fun, you know, maybe they were just fucking getting high on peyote. Maybe they were just really cool. Yeah. Really cool artists just drawing stuff on walls and people (laughs) interpret it like it's some crazy meaning when it just, it it was just them expressing uh, life. This was like the Fremont Salvador Dali who painted these. He was like a surreal car- rock carver. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doing surreal exactly. artwork on these rocks. Um, yeah, now, so, you know, that's one thing. And, you know, again, it, it 
doesn't have to be something weird or strange. It could, like we said, maybe these guys are just having fun, you know, having a laugh with the fucking tribe. Um, and, you know, Fremont culture is distinctly different from the ancestral Pueblo peoples who inhabited the southern reaches of Utah and parts of Arizona and New Mexico. And it seems just like the Mayans, uh, scholars do not agree that the Fremont culture represents a single cohesive group with a common language, ancestry, way of life, that type of shit. Uh, but as more and more is excavated and studied, uh, several aspects of their culture provide evidence for this concept. So it's just like we saw with the Mayans. You know, at first, archaeologists weren't sure, but then more and more is kind of leading them to that path. Now, uh, you know, they got similar housing structures all over the state, um, similar agriculture, pottery, that type of shit. Um, the Fremont are also sometimes thought to have been a splinter group of the Pueblo people, um, although this theory is another topic for debate among archaeologists to this day. Splinter cell. Yeah, nobody really agrees on this shit. Um, now, also, another commonality with the Mayans. The Fremont people seem to have disappeared from the region sometime around the 15th century or the 1400s. Um, they left with the aliens. <laughs> yeah, now, now, again, there's all kinds of theories um, on the Fremont culture's decline. And just like the Mayans, a lot of people say it's due to climate conditions in 950 AD. Uh, you know, the culture moved to the marshy areas of northwestern Utah, which sustained them for about 400 years. And though their eventual fate is unknown, it is possible that they moved into Idaho, Nebraska, and Kansas and may have become part of the Dismal River culture to the east or the ancestral Pueblo communities to the south. Um, so, I mean, any more thoughts on these guys, the Fremont, the rock carvings, um, their disappearance, anything like that? Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. Cause I think, oh, well, the Fremont lived at the same time as the Mayans and they're both experiencing the same thing. And I also thought how crazy it is when you think about like the civilization, the advanced civilizations of the Mayan and the Aztec empires in Mexico versus the more, I guess what you would call primitive, quote unquote. Or nomadic, um, yeah. Nomadic, like up in kind of the U.S. and Canadian region. Yeah. I don't and know. It, I, yeah, I mean, I think, again, that could be due to climate, you know, because you got these, maybe the climate was more sustainable down in those areas of Mexico, so they were able to build up these big cities where I think a lot of the like early, early cultures in North America were more nomadic, like they would move with the seasons because um, they were hunter gatherers, that type of shit. So it could just be different in that regard. But it is it's like um, like you were saying, I mean, if they lived at the same time and climate change was obviously a fucking factor in them moving off their land or their steady decline from the area. Um, so, you know, it, uh, again, not saying that, uh, they went away with the aliens, but they may uh, have, they went away <laughs> with the aliens. <laughs> no, no, um, now even the Navajo who would come to inhabit the land much, much later actually acknowledges these people and their mentionings. And there are mentionings of the Fremont in Navajo paintings and historical records, 
Uh, the Navajo referred to them as, quote, people who lived before the flood. Now, um, did any of them look like a devil and have a portal that they went into? I am not sure. Uh, but now again, this I don't know if this has any connection to the modern goings on at Skinwalker Ranch, uh, but it is interesting because as we saw with the shapeshifters being prevalent across all cultures, um, there's also this concept of the great flood myth. And this is a motif that occurs over and over in all cultures across the globe. You know, you got Mesopotamia, the Genesis flood in the Hebrew, uh, Nu or Noah in Islam, Hinduism, the Jin Yi in Chinese mythology, uh, Greek Norse and Irish mythology, uh, parts of Hawaii, the Maya people, Native Americans in North America, Inca mythology in South America, Africa, and even some Aboriginal tribes in Australia. All of these cultures have a similar myth in which a great flood, usually sent by a deity or multiple deities, destroys a civilization in an act of divine retribution. So, I mean, what are we thinking here in terms of uh, flood myths? Uh, are any dots connecting? Are any uh, any sparks flying here? Do we got anything? Uh, the, the flood myth, to me, I, I don't know how I can connect that back to a skinwalker. Like, I, I think if you look at the historical geological time frame of of the Earth, like, I think that there are were periods where we went through ice ages where we had great floods. And some of them were as, a, as recent as a couple thousand years ago, which would align with when these people were living. So I think that natural phenomena can be the explanation and, and the tribes just perceive that as like something crazy. angry Being gods. punished by the gods. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because a, a lot of to, um, uh, climate change. <laughs> yeah, a lot of scholars attribute um, this mythology to Earth's sea level rising dram dramatically in the millennia after the last glacial maximum. Uh, this was when this was, I guess, the most recent time during um, which like ice sheets covered the globe. So in the millennia after that, when they would melt, obviously the fucking um, what do you call it? The sea levels change. You had these floods. Um, this is right. also prevalent across all cultures. Um, so, and it's it's how it was perceived, though. I think you know, and it, it may be connected to the Skinwalker, but I just don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any connection. I just think it's interesting that we see the shape shifting myth across all cultures. Uh, so maybe there's something there, and then we see this flood myth as well. Um, now again. Back to Utah. Um, so 16th century, 1500s. Um, the southern Utah region is explored by the Spanish as early as 1540, uh, led by Francisco Vasquez de Coronado. Uh, now, he was looking for the legendary Cibola. Uh, and Cibola, this could be a whole nother episode because this is fucking badass. I was diving into this. This is like Indiana Jones type shit. Um, Cybola is like one of the myths of the seven cities of gold, uh, also known as the seven cities of Cybola. Uh, this was popular in the 16th century and it's obviously everywhere in pop culture. You see it in fucking what uncharted Indiana Jones, like all that type of explorer type shit. Um, now according to the legend, 
The seven cities of gold referred to the Aztec mythology revolving around the Pueblo people of what is now present-day Mexico. Uh, so as these Spanish adventurers uh, said, they had heard stories from natives about cities with great and limitless riches located across the desert hundreds of miles to the north. Um, so, you know, that's another little fucking interesting like mythology tale that's going around this area at the back in the fucking 16th century. Um, now, fast forward to the 18th century. Uh, 1700s. Um, so around this time, the Navajo settled in the region. And by the mid 18th century, other Uto Aztecian tribes, including the Goshu, the Paiute, the Shoshone, and the Ute people, also settled in the region. Uh, these five groups were present when the first European explorers arrived. Um, so that brings us to. The earliest mentioning of, I guess, high strangeness in the Uinta Basin. And this dates back to the 1700s. And again, this one is questionable, um, but we'll get into it. So this happened when a group led by two Catholic priests, Antanasio Dominguez and Sylvester Velez de Escalante. Uh, this was referred to as the Dominguez Escalante Expedition. Um, so they left Santa Fe in 1776, and they were in search of a route to the coast of California. Now, this expedition traveled as far north as Utah Lake, uh, just south of the Great Salt Lake, and they encountered native residents. Now, allegedly, when these Spanish explorers passed through the Uinta Basin, they reported seeing craft or strange fireballs in the night sky over their campfires. Um, now, the reason I say this is questionable is because try as I might, I could not find any account of this outside of UFO literature um, and specifically UFO literature written on the subject of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, now, it's cited on numerous websites as taking place, uh, but pretty much all of these sites use Hunt for the Skinwalker by Kelleher and Knapp as the source and um, they, Kelleher and Knapp didn't cite this in the book. So, you know, did they make this up for the book? I don't know. But I couldn't find any firsthand account from these like Spanish um, historical records that mentioned this. Um, and they didn't cite where they got this from in the book. So. So we're talking about the bullshit. I mean, again, I don't know if it's bullshit, but I'm saying it's only present in fucking UFO literature. Well, fireballs could have been a meteorite. Not a lot of light sources out there in that day and age. Yeah, true. I mean, I guess they could have just had a, a crazy view of some fucking um, astronomy type shit, you know? Space peanut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the Spanish, they made further explorations in the region, uh, but they were not interested in colonizing the area because of its barren desert nature. So you think these motherfuckers just made that up, that fucking gold myth up to just get people out of there? Oh, yeah. So if we want to go... <laughs> like, if we hey, go, there's a bunch of gold up in the <laughs> yeah, desert. You yeah, guys should go check dude, that shit out. <laughs> I was thinking that exactly. If oh we go back God. to like the Cybola, Seven Cities of Gold, yeah. The Spanish probably show up to the fucking Pueblo people and the tribes down in New Mexico and they're like, 
Dude, I heard there's a fucking crazy city filled with gold a hundred miles north of here. Go check it out. It's just a fucking barren desert. Like they were just that could have been just a a, a place like a, a ruse for them to go die. <laughs> just a haunted I mean, it's river like, basin full of skinwalkers. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, people going out west for the gold rush. Like, oh yeah. But there was actually gold there. Yeah, so that, that, really <laughs> there well, actually was <laughs> a shitload like a, of gold there. Not a yeah, city exactly. full of gold, though. Well, a- actually, I guess that does lead some credence. If there was gold, was there at one point some city of gold that was destroyed in some uh, cosmic event? Maybe. What are we Who thinking knows? there? Could be. That's why I think we dive more into this fucking Cybola myth. Maybe another episode for another day. We should definitely do Atlantis too, because oh yeah, um, I, there's some crazy stuff on Atlantis. Yeah, been yeah. working on that one for a while. Um, that could be like a four parter. Um, but yeah, that is funny that you bring that up because I had the exact <laughs> thought of that. Um, now, in 1821, uh, the year Mexico achieved its independence from Spain, uh, this whole region became known as Alta California, uh, basically just a giant territory, including all of the modern U.S. states of California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. And it's in these times and even earlier where horses were introduced to the native tribes, which caused a whole other issue that we'll discuss right now. <laughs> uh, so, so after the Utes acquired horses, uh, they started to become skilled warriors specializing in horse-mounted combat and would raid other Native American tribes. Yeah, um, dickheads, like I said in the beginning. Well, you said no, that these people were peaceful, Rob. The Navajo, yes. Okay, well, what about the Utes? Dickheads. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you hear me out here? So, we got a cursed river basin. Now, simultaneously <laughs> during this period, um, the Utes' close relatives, the Comanches, moved out from the mountains and they would become the Plains Indians. Uh, now, the South and Eastern Utes raided Native Americans in New Mexico, Southern Paiutes, and Western Shoshones, uh, capturing women, children, and selling them as slaves in exchange for Spanish goods. That's nice. Uh, Now, they even fought the Plains Indians, who had previously been their allies. And in fact, the name Comanche is from the Ute word for them, Comanche, meaning enemy. Um, So that's a little fact of the day. Um, Now, the Pawnee, Osage, and Navajo also became enemies of the Plains Indians by about 1840. Uh, Now, some Ute bands fought against the Spanish in Pueblos, with the Hickoria Apache and the Comanche, uh, and the Ute were sometimes friendly, sometimes hostile to the Navajo. So it's kind of like you were saying, Billy, this really became a straight-up just clusterfuck of warfare. You got tribe-on-tribe warfare here. They're going at each other, just yeah. relentless. relentless. I don't think any of them were completely innocent. I think they were all, I mean, at the t- it was just a different time back then. Well, yeah, and I mean, the Plains Indians are fucking brutal as fuck, dude. There's some crazy uh, tales of all that. The Comanche? Um, yeah, the Comanche, fucking dude. Savage, dude. Fucking savage. Fucking savages, The enemy. Um, that's, <laughs> now, that's intense. That's yeah. intense. So, 19th century. This brings us into the 19th century. We're into the 1800s. Um, now, the first European settlers to really make frequent contact with the tribes in this area 
we're obviously uh who do we think guys early settlers in utah who do we think that was mormons yep the mormons you know utah that's their fucking home base now in 1847 um with the arrival of mormon settlers uh the utes were slowly pushed off their land now by the 1850s you've got all-out warfare with the settlers and the mormons continued to push the utes off their land uh 1853 and 50 and 54 uh you saw the start of a whole bunch of wars breaking out you got the walker war the black hawk war the meeker massacre all types of fucking brutal shits going on walker texas ranger <laughs> yeah he's probably out there kicking <laughs> exactly. ass uh now 1858 uh you've got the gold strike which introduced even more settlers um, now, the Ute allied with the U.S. and Mexico in its war with the Navajo during the same period. And the Uinta Valley Reservation was created for the Ute in October of 1861 by executive order of President Abraham Lincoln. Um, now, as we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, as we said, at one time, the Ute and Navajo fought together against common enemies However, once these horses were introduced, um, they began to abduct Navajo people, sold them into the New Mexico slave markets. Uh, During the Civil War, some Ute tribes joined with Kit Carson in a military campaign against the Navajo. Now, this whole thing ended with the Navajo being expelled from their land and forced to march to a reservation in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Uh, this became known as the Long Walk of the Navajo. Now, that's basically like Trail of Tears, Batan Death March for these guys. Um, Pretty fucked up. Yes, very fucked up. Um, but again, this was like the Long Walk of the Navajo, if I understand correctly, was much further south of like the area of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, now, yeah, it's pretty down into New Mexico, yeah. Yeah. Now, the Oray Reservation was created in January of 1882. And in 1886, uh, two reservations were merged to become the Uinta Ore Reservation. Um, now, this also saw the establishment of Fort Duchesne in the basin, in the Uinta Basin, in order to kind of keep everybody in check. They put a military fort out there. Um, as they do. <laughs> yes, as they do. Now, <laughs> Now, although the tribe was allowed to return to their homelands in the Four Corner areas several years later, um, the Ute believed that the Navajo had put a curse on them from their hostilities and alliances against them. And afterward, the Skinwalker began to plague the Ute people. I'm diving into this, and apparently historian Sandra Jones, who's the author of Being and Becoming Ute, has said, quote, The Navajo were more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had Ute slaves. Now, it's been said that the unstable and violent relationship between the tribes is what led the Navajo to place a curse on the Ute, unleashing skinwalkers within their territory. And uh, this um, historian also made comparisons to these like lights in the sky or paranormal UFO or potential UFOs. Um, to what Sandra Jones described as evil spirits that haunt the Ute terrain, emerging from reservoirs of negative power. 
So this is kind of, I guess, in line of what we're talking about with Bradshaw Ranch. You have these like negative energy vortices, I guess, that could be a reason for the land to be haunted. I mean, what do we think about this? This could make a dope ass movie. Like someone needs to start with a like imagine imagine a horror movie where it's like you know Ari Aster, the director of like Hereditary. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what I mean. Like this dark kind of just in the 1800s and like you just see this Navajo guy and he's just like, I curse you. And it's like so intense and like they're doing this chant and you could do so much creepy shit with that concept. Like a skinwalker horror film. Yeah. I think it would be badass. Um, but again, I also think like in this day and age, like, well, I think like touching anything like native American would just be seen as like, you know, of course people would fucking complain about like the insensitivities and shit. Like, what um, if you didn't call it? I know, the, but the you and Navajo, what if you just had like made up names? Well, I guess they made that Prey movie. Did you guys see that? I did not. No. Um. I saw I saw a trailer <laughs> for it, but so that they made it- a. You know what it is, right? It's like the Predator films. Yeah, it's the, it's, but it's, the like, it's the Predator prequel, but it's like the new one. Yeah, and it that they were Comanche Indians, but they were portrayed as like super fucking peaceful in that movie. So it's like uh, that was just right. my biggest gripe with it. I mean, and the movie was cool. Uh, you know, any any Predator movie, I'm gonna fucking watch. But you know. You yeah. gotta, you gotta well, portray these guys in the right light. I think if we did it true to the tale, but then again, who even knows how legitimate this tale is? Well, the thing, you're you're bound to offend someone when you venture into that territory with the state of the um, culture in this country. I think, but what if you, you hired know, actual it, native actors? Though, what if we okay? There any we Navajo, oh, any Navajo or Ute listeners out there? Um, let us know. Shoot us a message. We want to bring you on as our expert in the field while writing this screenplay. That way, nobody's offended, dude. It's like deliverance. I mean, someone's going to get offended no matter what. Now, dude, not if you had a Navajo as a writer on there, dude. People would eat that shit up. That would probably win the Oscar. It's going to be, like, (laughs) culturally perfect to the Navajo, like, true to the Navajo, and people that aren't Navajo are going to be like, I'm offended by that for the <laughs> yeah. Navajo. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now the Ute believe that the Skinwalker presence in the Uinta Basin extends back at least 15 generations. Uh, they don't believe that the Skinwalkers live on the ranch, but rather hide out in a place called Dark Canyon, which is located nearby. Uh, now, I meant to do some more research into Dark Canyon, but I completely forgot in all the other stuff I was pulling for this one. So, Well, we just found the movie title. <laughs> yeah, Dark Canyon. So maybe exactly. we... I'll pull some stuff for that in part two um, if I can find any creepy tales of Dark Canyon. Um, now, again, you know, it's as we said, who knows how legitimate this legend is. And again, this is another topic open for debate uh, because there's other historians like... Betty Chapoose. Is that how you would say that name? Sure. Uh, Betsy Chapoose. Uh, she is the cultural rights and protection director for the Ute. Uh, now, she has said that they've personally never known of any alleged Navajo curse. Or at least don't know of one that they'll tell the of course, that's white what devil say, about. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, so you're thinking they're doing this to protect like how brutal they were to the Navajo, maybe? Yeah. 
The okay. Navajo are the assholes, not us. Okay, yeah. And I, I've never even heard of a curse. Like we <laughs> Well no yeah, the Navajo fucking homies. But the Navajo put the curse on them. So why wouldn't they throw them under the bus? Probably because they just want you to get the fuck off their land and stop okay. bothering. <laughs> so I'll just get the fuck off our land. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, despite that, okay, you know, you already put us on a reservation that we didn't want to be on. So why don't you guys just fuck off? Yeah. There's now, no curse. Nothing to see here. Yes, and they, you know the pop. We'll just call it the Dark Canyon. No big deal. So yeah, I mean, despite this debate, you know, the popular theory still stands that this all stems back to the violence between the Navajo and the Ute whose territory is only about 20 miles from Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, I had I had a thought on that. Um, okay, what was this about the curse or the land? Yeah, it's or? about the curse. Okay. The curse it's just the weird Canyon? that it's 20... Yeah, it's just weird that it's like 20 miles from Skinwalker Ranch. And quite honestly, with how many different you know things we've read and heard about, like the Navajo curse and stuff... I totally believe that that was part of you, like lore. You know, whether okay. or not that they were willing to admit it, I don't. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of with Rob on that, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's an interesting, like, similarity that all that stuff happened so close to the ranch, and yeah, it's, it's weird. Okay, yeah, I mean. Again, that's why we threw it in here. You know, we got to look at this from all sides, and we got to. Uh, rotate this object at all angles now so we fast forward to modern times you know we got the background of the land um the horrible atrocities that occurred there you've got this possible curse uh i mean i think any way you slice it we can't deny that some fucking brutal shit probably happened on this land right well definitely oh yeah okay yeah now, we fast forward to modern times. Um, there's plenty of modern tales and sightings of skinwalkers. Uh, and, you know, typically these tales are about strange, half-human-looking creatures chasing cars and terrorizing people on lonesome desert highways or in small desert towns. Now, in some instances, they chase cars and are able to keep pace with the vehicle as it speeds along some lonesome desert highway all the while locked in a thousand yard stare with whatever unlucky soul happened to be out driving that night. Sounds um, like that uh, San Diego monster that we talked oh, about. Oh, Proctor Valley. Yeah. Yeah, again, another like folktale similarity there. I'm sure like ev- any town probably has their own little fucking like myth or legend of some like creepy roadside happening, you know? I mean, it's down there near some Native American land. Yeah, and they're going across these highways, um, chasing cars down. Yeah, and I mean, in the middle of the night with red eyes. Yeah, dude, there's a ton of these sightings. There's like police sightings, civilian sightings. You got sightings from Native American communities that still live there. Um, There's plenty of strange encounters that you can look up. Uh, Like, there's this one I kept seeing that was like these policemen were out on patrol, and uh, I guess they like went to this call. Uh, this guy saw like a wolf or something. They get there. Uh, it's nowhere to be found, but they saw these like metal scratch marks. They're scratch marks like deep in the metal of his door and they're driving away. And the guy like sees something in his, in his um, rear view and it like pulls up close to the car. He thought it was attached to the car, 
but it was a skinwalker like running alongside of his car, keeping pace with him. And he got back to the precinct and like told the other officer about it. And he said that he had seen like a similar thing not that long ago. Um, so, you know, you have these like creepy tales. There's a ton of these on the internet you can read about. Again, not sure which are true, which are false. Um, but the best documented modern tale I could find was this. And this one is pretty fucking wild. Um, so this is from the 1980s in Flagstaff, Arizona. And there's a couple good newspaper articles that seem to corroborate this tale because you see different versions of this tale on a bunch of like websites and like creepytales.com or like paranormal not creepy pasta but they do have some skinwalker stories on there um not that great i i was gonna pull one but uh it was not not the best this this is crazier and like i said there's some newspaper articles that seem to corroborate these events um so this is like from i piece this together from newspaper articles this is all you know those series of like weird books like weird virginia weird california yeah i have a weird virginia uh, book right right over there there you go this one is from uh weird arizona um that this tale was in there as well so i pulled a little bit from there um maybe we need to get weird utah yeah so here we go. Let, let's let's get into this tale. The police were called to an isolated rural household following a report that intruders had attempted to gain entry. Now, upon speaking to the homeowners, this is the tale that transpired. So their daughter had been awoken earlier that evening by a strange noise coming from outside. Peering out of her bedroom window into the dark void, she had noticed what appeared to be three exceptionally large wolves just outside the perimeter of the property's wooden fence line. The three animals were far larger than any wolf she'd ever seen before, and they all appeared to be in poor condition, very thin with their coats sagging loosely underneath them. Now at one point, One of these animals reared up on its hind legs and jumped at the fencing, letting out a strange shriek which had disturbed her. As she watched in terror, it dropped back down on all fours before suddenly rearing up again and standing on its back legs. She looked on as the two others proceeded to do the same, until all three were standing upright trying to breach the barrier in front of them. Now their front paws were reaching out like human arms, trying to take a hold of the wooden fence. At this point, she realized that they were attempting to climb up and over the fence. However, none of the figures could quite get a hold, and their attempts stopped. Rather than moving away from the fence, the three creatures suddenly moved closer to one another. It was at this point that the girl became aware of a distinct sound of men chanting in chorus. Still petrified by these unnatural figures, which were now staring back at her, speaking together in an unknown language, the girl cried out for her parents. Her father had ran out onto the front porch with his rifle and caught sight of three large black shapes bolting away into the tree line before he managed to get a shot off. Now, Several days later, the girl's father had an elderly had an elder from a local Navajo reservation come to inspect the fencing. 
She explained that the family had been visited by three evil spirits and that they had been lucky to survive the encounter. Um, Now, Flagstaff and The Legend of the Skinwalker would achieve national notoriety in June of 1987 when a hospital worker named Sarah Saganizzo was found murdered on the grounds of the local medical center. Now, she had been stabbed repeatedly and her attacker had apparently left bite marks on her torso and face. Now, following... Following inquiries by the local police department, a college professor by the name of George Abney was arrested and charged with murder. Now, in his court defense, attorneys offered that Abney had been compelled to commit the murder by strange voices. Abney himself claimed that he was having bizarre dreams about Saganisto's murder, which he told friends about. And under pressure, Abney confessed to have murdered the woman. But by Abney's own admission, he was having difficulty distinguishing between dreams and reality. And he believed that he was receiving prophecies from God. Now, Abney's defense lawyers brought up another possibility. Perhaps the victim, being part of the Navajo Nation, may have been attacked by a skinwalker. Uh, the presence of a broken wooden stave laid across the victim's neck and soil which had allegedly been removed from a nearby graveyard were evidence of black magic, according to the defense. Now, this was around the time of the satanic panic and occult hysteria here in the U.S., uh, but nobody bought Abney's unusual defense and teeth marks on the victim's left breast appeared to have belonged to Abney and his unusual dreams, prosecutors said, were confessions. So Abney was convicted of the murder. Now, he was released a year later when an appeal had been upheld. And in a twist of fate, members of Saganisto's own family had petitioned the judge for his release, claiming they did not believe Abney was the true killer and that he had been acting under something else's control. Now, this case was reopened in 1988, and the murder remains unsolved to this day. So what are we thinking here of this case? Because, again, as I said, this is a documented case. Like, we've got court records of this. Um, They let this guy fucking go. And, I mean, with that weird tale of the family and possible skinwalkers, I mean, do we think there's any legitimacy to the skinwalker mythos or was this, is that possibly just a coincidence and this guy probably got away with murder? Was this guy Navajo? Uh, no, he was like a fucking white dude, like Christian guy. He said he was receiving prophecies from God, clearly unwell. Mm. Oh, so he wasn't even Native American. He was just a white dude. No, the the lady that he, well, was acquitted of murdering, she was Native American. Okay, okay. Eh, I, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, his bite marks were on her, so if the thing, because didn't they say they proved that the bite marks were, were like dental, like matched up to his dental record or whatever? Um, I don't know if they, like... Again, I don't know if that was like a perfect match because don't they say that like even bite marks are like pretty fucking 
uh, what do you call it? Like not like solid evidence. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't buy it. I think you could easily be like, oh, I was, you know, God's told me to do it. Yeah, the skinwalker told me to do it. Skinwalker took control of me. Yeah, but then what do we think about, like, the own family saying, hey, this guy is innocent. Like, this was something else. This was some other entity or... You think skinwalkers were fucking coming after them? And they were like, dude, we got to get this guy out so these fucking things leave us alone. Oh, so you... So, so if we're going with the skinwalker theory, you think it was a skinwalker... His family had guilt because this was an innocent guy and the skinwalker was then terrorizing the family? Well, doesn't it usually terrorize the whole family, not just one person? Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I guess... I was reading some articles that were saying, like, basically, like, if it comes to your house, it's going to terrorize the whole family. Oh, yeah. It's usually not just... Yeah, the smell, too. It will attack, like, someone if they're out alone at night but if it comes to your house it's like your whole family's fucked yeah and i think it's like the that creeper from jeepers creepers he like they like smell shit and they can fucking jump really high jeepers creepers that's another pop culture which takes some like pieces from skinwalker interesting but i mean yeah with this case i don't know a lot of like i was reading different threads with like people's opinions on this case some people were saying it's just like sad because you have another case of like just people not giving a fuck about like native American victims. Like this was a fucking native American woman that like should have gotten justice, but they just like let this guy go, I guess. Well, didn't the, yeah. And the family was involved though. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still who knows? Well, just because the, just because the family gets involved in that doesn't mean that they actually believed he didn't murder someone. Because they, they, you know, there's family, like, they love them. A lot of families would probably, like, try to scapegoat. But that that was the girl's no, family, no, the, not his the family. The victim's family came to the court and was like, we don't think this guy did it. Yeah. Not his oh, family. That was the okay. girl's family that got murdered. Oh, my bad, my there. bad. So that throws a whole nother fucking level to this thing, right? Yeah, that that's kind of weird. Um, it's kind of great. Maybe they were maybe they were like super hardcore Christians or something. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty fucking crazy tale, you know? Um what are we thinking about? Uh the what about the fucking family that that chick saw the fucking three fucking skinwalkers or whatever and um they were like chanting stuff. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then this murder yeah. occurs in the same fucking town. They couldn't figure out how to get through the fence, though. Well, I think the what the Navajo lady in some of the stories again. I don't know how true this is. In some stories, they were saying the Navajo lady said they were like protected by some sort of spell or something. So who the fuck knows? And again, I think this tale has also developed a fair amount of mythology because, like I said, I found a bunch of different renderings. Is that the right word? Renderings of this tale. Sure. And um, renditions. Like, yeah, a bunch of renditions of this tale. And like some of them had little pieces that weren't in this, like the graveyard dirt. Like, how the fuck could they know it was dirt from a graveyard? Like, what did they exactly. go take soil samples? And like, <laughs> yeah. again, I think that's just like, and that's not in the newspaper articles. Like, the only thing in the newspaper articles was about the knife marks and the, and the bite marks, I believe, and that she was um, naked when they found her. But, 
again, you know, I, I think like this is another kind of creepy internet tale and we have the family seeing this stuff and then this murder occurring in the same town and it kind of develops a, a mythology all of its own, you know? Right. Well, also the, the I do have an opinion on the family incident, which is, it's pr- this is actually a pretty crazy um, coincidence maybe, but maybe it's deeper than that. All right. So like she, she mentions that she sees them as giant wolves outside of her house that's akin it's very similar to what the family experienced at skinwalker ranch um they they saw a large wolf which you know we'll talk about in part two but it was a large wolf that like was way bigger than a normal wolf and it was like and they shot it a couple of times in the bradshaw ranch incident and it was like that it had, was sherman right that was sherman yeah ranch, or- or uh, Sherman, Ranch, yeah. Not Bradshaw. Skin, skin, I'm sorry, not Bradshaw Ranch. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so like, it's just that it's just crazy to me that they're they're both they're both like giant wolves, and this was you know this incident was in Phoenix, and that Flagstaff, sorry, and then the other incident was at Sherman Ranch or quote unquote Skinwalker Ranch. So I don't know. It's just that to me is is weird. Well, again, I mean, if we're not even bringing the ranch lore into this and we're strictly going off the past lore of the skinwalker, that is like commonly what they take. Yeah, wolf is the most common form. You know? Yeah. So, you know, pretty creepy stuff. Now, let's get into some theories. So, as we said, you know, the name Skinwalker Ranch came from ufologist Junior Hicks. Um, and this became used in the 2005 book Hunt for the Skinwalker. Junior. <laughs> now, now some theorize, and this is strictly like skeptical, um, some theorize that the name arose from the popularity of author Tony Hillerman's 1986 novel Skinwalkers, um, which was apparently a pretty popular book at the time as it mixed Navajo mysticism with modern detective science. Um, So this book comes out in 86, super popular. This guy is a great writer. Check out some of his other stuff. Um, Now, again, they kind of use this as a mapping because similar to the, while this Skinwalkers by Tony Hillerman is a fiction book, um, Kelleher and Knapp kind of use this same, I guess, pattern in their nonfiction book, mixing paranormal with scientific investigation. Um, so could it have been that the popularity of this novel caused Hicks to say to Bigelow, Knapp, Kelleher, hey, this place is in the path of the Skinwalker. You should call it Skinwalker Ranch. Then they capitalize off this whole Skinwalker lore because this is a good marketing choice for not only the ranch itself, but their book. What are we thinking there? Did he know them? Did uh, Hicks know them or Hillerman? Hillerman. Uh, No, I mean, this guy wrote the book in 86, but I think like, because Skinwalker Ranch, that book came out in 2005, but all that research was from the family that lived there throughout the 90s. So if this book was popular in 86, it would have been known in the 90s. And this Junior Hicks guy, um, yeah, I think he knew Kelleher and Nat because he suggests he's the one that told them 
the ranch is in the path of the skinwalker. And like I said, I can't find the whole fucking uh, flaming balls of light thing in any any other literature outside of this book. So maybe this was another thing they were kind of just like, oh, yeah, Skinwalker, that's a fucking creepy legend that not too many people know about. Let's fucking slap that name on this. And then we've got a whole nother mythos wrapped up in the UFO mythos. We've got two two fucking separate, I guess, like entities now working together. It's one big fucking paranormal hotspot. Yeah, that's weird, actually. Very strange. I, I see your point completely now that yeah, and, that and again, book would come out like right a little before the occurrences that happened at the ranch. But I mean, they could easily be, be in on something with Knapp and Bigelow for sure. And again, that's not to discredit the... Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's fucking been legitimate UFO, UFO sightings. I'm sure there's been fake ones. Perhaps there's been legitimate skinwalker sightings. Perhaps there's been made up stories. Um, but again, this is strictly like uh, skeptics kind of point to this as possibly like, hey, they're just kind of trying to capitalize off this lore. Um, now, again, if we're going skeptically here, um, skeptics have also pointed to clinical lycanthropy as a logical basis for the authenticity of skinwalkers. So what lycanthropy is, is a psychological condition where the patients um, hold delusional beliefs that they were animals. And wolves have been mankind's most feared predator throughout Europe and North America. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that sufferers of clinical lycanthropy would manifest as werewolves in europe skinwalkers in north america i mean what are we thinking there you know this guy's saying i guess skeptics that subscribe to this theory think like perhaps some navajo tortured by guilt and depression believed himself possessed by a wolf and as punishment for his sins he kind of acted out the role as this crazed fucking wolf maniac wearing a fucking wolf pelt and uh, perhaps the story was told and retold through oral history. And you have this legend, which just kind of developed into this modern skinwalker lore that we know and love today. What are we thinking there? I mean, I think that that is uh, a good basis for how to logically describe it. But it's also kind of odd to point out that there's been so many like similar sightings throughout that whole area I guess I mean yeah it could just be all bullshit but it's I think it's just like with UFOs like yeah there's there's probably a true like a true story that that someone did see something and then after that news breaks then all of a sudden there's like 50 other people that saw UFO the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I so guess. I think I'm, what I'm saying is maybe, maybe it's not all bullshit, but probably a, a majority of the sightings are made up. But there has to be like some origin story. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say. You just think some crazy guy was the origin but story? Think about like, think about like way <laughs> back in the day. I'm talking like early tribal times if this guy was fucking insane like they don't have a word for like schizophrenia 
and yeah. shit like that, you know? Like, okay. modern science hadn't caught up to that. Some so guy just put a wolf on his head and starts fucking, fucking biting, ripping people's throats out, and they're like, holy fucking shit, that's a skinwalker. And then this, a this legend kind of develops. Yeah, what do we think? I mean, think about this, dude. You're a Native American fucking hanging out. You're hunting buffalo. You're chilling in the teepee, doing some peyote. Some crazed maniac wearing a wolf pelt is sneaking around at night, killing people in your tribe. Um, and then that's kind of how this whole thing developed. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that's a hundred percent what this is, but that's That's a a pretty stereotypes. And that, well, that's, (laughs) I'm like a Tim McGraw, dude, uh, Indian outlaw, dude. Um, but that's like, that's checking a lot of the boxes here. No, are you part Chippewa? (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's entirely uh, possible. Yeah. Like, I think it's entirely possible. Um, it, it, it's just it's just kind of like a oh yeah this may have happened but there's no like Definitive there's no proof. type of yeah well there there's no there's no like a, a like accounted for witness to of something like this right we're just assuming that this is well, the it, explanation that that's kind of what i was getting at with like the ufo sightings is like yeah, we have like these grainy videos and pictures from like the 60s of stuff, but I mean, I have personally seen some weird shit in the sky that I couldn't describe and it's like, yeah, I might sound crazy telling you about it if you didn't see the same thing I saw, but at the same time, there's also going to be people out there that are just trying to make a quick buck off of it, so you can't completely discredit everything just because there is that bullshit out there is what i was kind of saying so like maybe it was some crazy guy just in a wolf suit or (laughs) maybe there is some crazy shit that we don't know about going on out there okay yeah i mean it's like uh billy was saying earlier this shit's in all cultures do we think all fucking cultures had some crazy guy that at one point wore a fucking animal pelt and that's the yeah i i can see that as being a possibility but I, I, for me i guess like what i was just thinking is like what makes this more believable to me than bradshaw ranch for example you know what or <laughs> yeah, any yeah, right. ufo sighting ever described you're it's what makes this one more perplexing and more like believable and in a weird way it kind of is because i just think it's something that's been you know it's been alive for thousands of years and um through different like native american cultures and it's just it's it's just so strange like and we're assuming that they actually like spoke to each other and you know let's say the one wolf guy clinical you know the other guy the the crazy dude that happened in maybe like one one civilization like how do we know that that's being passed along to the other ones so it's pretty crazy like when you kind of take that on all into account but at the end of the day like like kind of what rob was saying i think that could be an explanation but i I agree with rob in that like we want to be careful not to write write it all off just just because it may sound outlandish but for some reason this one is a little bit more believable i don't know why okay so perhaps the tales are true uh (laughs) perhaps there are some evil entities lurking in the uinta basin as a result of the harrowing history that the land has endured since seemingly the dawn of time 
Uh, because, dude, isn't Utah like there's also a shitload of fucking dinosaur bones out there, dude? I so know, resident paleontologist. You get a lot of <laughs> get a lot of T Rexes. Dude, if we you got go to a, Bradshaw Ranch, you can catch a glimpse of them. Dude, we got a lot of dinosaurs oh, yeah. dying out there. <laughs> Perhaps their spirits are even there as well. Um, now, okay, one more theory just before we kind of um, close this one out. So this is in the book Hunt for the Skinwalker. And forgive me, I didn't want to transcribe the whole thing. So I'll just fucking kind of read. Um, so remember how we talked about Fort Duchesne being set up there? To kind of keep the tribes in check? Yes. Um, okay, so apparently like 20% of the soldiers that were deployed to Fort Duchesne were uh, buffalo soldiers. You guys familiar? Yes. Um, yes. Stolen from Africa in the heart of America, fighting on arrival, fighting for survival. Dreadlock Rasta, classic. Um, so buffalo soldiers. Now... In the book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, um, I guess Knapp and Kelleher are saying that uh, a lot of Utes are familiar with this kind of legend that the buffalo, there was a patch of ground designated as a graveyard for a, a ton of these buffalo soldiers, and that has since been converted into housing for the local Ute tribe members. Perfect. Um, yeah. So one of the former police officers was telling like his grandma told him a bunch of tales about this. And there's this fucking graveyard where it's just mostly black soldiers. And so the theory here is that, and again, Kelleher and Knapp, they go on this whole tangent about how these Buffalo soldiers were at the, at Fort Duchesne's were Masons or Freemasons. Um, and they talk about, you know, obviously we talked about it on our episode, Masons, giant conspiracy theory. They did rituals. A lot of founding fathers were Masons. Um, but apparently these guys were Masons. Uh, they were black Freemasons um, as a result of this Prince Hall guy kind of formed a splinter cell black group for Freemasons that's not recognized by actual Freemasons. So it's just it was just kind of like a fraternity for these black guys at the time. Um, but they kind of related to, hey, they were Freemasons. No doubt about it. They were buried here. The Utes move in, put apartments and fucking houses all over their graves. Perhaps these Buffalo soldiers that were versed in the dark arts are now haunting the fucking Uinta Basin. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, it is an interesting theory because we're so used to hearing about fucking uh, the white man came in, doesn't give a fuck about the natives. He built houses. But in a whole fucking twist of fate here, we've got Native Americans building houses on top of Buffalo soldier graves and they're haunting the area. So what are we thinking well, about? Does this? I don't think that was their choice, though. I think they were just like, hey, you guys can have this land. Okay, so again, this well, ancient burial grounds. That's your. That's all yours. <laughs> well, not. It wouldn't be ancient. It would have been like the fucking eighteen hundreds. That's pretty ancient. That's not ancient, dude. Ancient is like fucking. Ancient's nomadic. like thousands of years. Yeah, ago. that's like a Fagawi tribe, dude. <laughs> the Fagawi tribe is ancient. Um, but it, no, I mean this theory is kind of fucking out there. But what do we think about? I uh, mean, that, I think that holds up. Okay, holds up. I think it could possibly be another fucking piece to the puzzle. Maybe not the whole thing. 
It's not all fucking Buffalo soldiers haunting this shit. They're not dressed well, like wolves running around. You remember that first apartment we had in Norfolk that was beside that mass grave from Yellow Fever? I do, yes. And there was some weird shit going on there. I played with a Ouija board many times, never experienced anything I weird. did. Well, yeah, you played with a Ouija board and then you moved out of the house. Weird. But I still visited every weekend to get drunk off OE and um, I never thought anything weird happened. Well, I did. Well, you're probably Wait, smoking too much. Keep. Was that the place I, I I went to when we went to Universe? Uh, not Universal Studios. Bush Gardens. Yes. Bush Gardens. Is. Yep. Yep. Okay. That place was haunted. That's what Rob says. I believe so. I'm saying no. Oh, I talked to other people in the complex that had similar experiences. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a vague memory. Okay. Well, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo Buffalo soldier theory. That's another fucking aspect. Um, another one to think about. Now, to kind of round this one out, let's, let's, so, you know, we talked about the mythos of the skinwalker, the fucking his, the deep history of the land. Now, Rob, this is like you were saying, you know, do you believe that places can become evil? Like haunted houses, you know, does land hold on to past traumas and atrocities that have occurred there? If so, the Uinta Basin seems like a prime spot for some type of evil to manifest. Uh, So do we believe in the legitimacy of the Skinwalker legends? Or is this just another common folklore that has continued to grow over the years? I mean, what are we thinking here? Final thoughts. I think that it's definitely one of those areas that has endured a bunch of traumatic and negative things happening in that area. And maybe some of that negative energy is just what makes this the people feed off of this folklore. Because mm-hmm. places... Okay. Like places like Gettysburg, we've been there. There's definitely like a creepy, eerie feeling of like walking around that battlefield. Definitely haunted. Ground Zero, also very creepy, very ominous. So it's not unlikely that the area is haunted. And then you mix that with like, maybe you have a paranormal encounter. There's all this, these tales that have been passed down from the Navajo and the Ute tribes and I'm not saying that it's real, but I mean, maybe, maybe that's just a contributing factor. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I definitely believe that that area is haunted, but is it a ghost or is it the skinwalker? Who knows? I've never been there. And all the stories that I've heard coming out of there is like, that's not the place that you want to go looking for that kind of stuff because you're going to find something auschwitz another place that uh i've never been but i heard very creepy have not been there either yeah and i'm kind of with rob on i I believe that generally if something really bad happens in a place like there's some of that energy that's left and it like lingers and if it's bad energy then you know i think it, it can conjure bad bad things um Okay. Skinwalker to me is is just it, it's a weird one because of the stuff that's happened more recently as well. Um, you know, one of my friends that we're, we're going to talk about in part two, one of my coworkers, 
he um he does like lidar and stuff and um he is actually gonna you know tell us about some of the experiences that he had working on that show hunt for the skinwalker um it's it's on nat geo i think is it i thought it was secrets of the secrets of the skinwalker that's that's what it was yeah um but but anyways yeah so it's just it's a lot of the and i and i believe him so like a lot of the stuff that he says i'm like okay so when you take all these things into account yeah so you're probably buying more into like the ufo side of things not as much the native american skinwalker type stuff no i'm i'm buying into the native american skinwalker stuff in fact okay there's a mystique about it that I think it'd be kind of cool if that's what it was like specifically the Navajo curse. Um, I don't know. I just think the whole thing is like an interesting fable or legend. And um, I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that there are places that in the world that exist like that. Um, to me, it's a little bit more believable than some of the other stuff we've covered. Okay. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch Part 1, The Legends of a Haunted Land. Uh, Now, tune in next time as we get into how this all comes to a head in decades of strange sightings at the Skinwalker Ranch and in the Uinta Basin and some cold, hard science that could blow the lid right off this bitch. (laughs) Uh, So there you have it, guys. Uh, If we missed anything... Or like I said, if we have any Native American listeners that are more familiar with the skinwalker type legends, uh, shoot us a message. I'd love to hear from you guys. And um, on this one, I want to cite legendsofamerica.com, skeptoid.com, Weird Arizona by Wesley Treat, uh, creepystories.com, the skinwalker sightings by John Wick. Uh, Again, I don't know if that's a pseudonym or what. Uh, it might be the John Wick that was writing that. Uh, and, of course, The Hunt for the Skinwalker by Colm Kelleher and George Knapp. And on that, thanks for tuning in, Loyal Legion. As always, feel free to drop us a line on Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. Uh, we got a link to our website where we got, you know, a little bit m- more about us. If you if you want to chime in maybe you got something that we missed like ryan said or if you want to just check out our merch we got a bunch of new stuff up there so be sure to check that out and as always thanks for tuning in yeah thanks so much everyone um keep a lookout for part two coming up um it's gonna get wild part two i think we're definitely gonna dig in some really cool stuff so stay tuned for that you love y'all and see you on the flip side the secrets of your past Surviving still Navajo Navajo The people call the people From ten thousand years ago Navajo Navajo From the land of the enchantment now